Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Listen for a moment to these lyrics from a song that began as a French ballad, had English lyrics written for them by Paul Anka, and became a number one hit for Frank Sinatra in 1969. You think you know what it is? Listen. And now the end is near, and so I face the final curtain. My friend, I'll say it clear, I'll state my case of which I'm certain. I've lived a life that's full, I've traveled each and every highway. But more, much more than this, I did it my way. My way, the story of human nature. From infancy, we want to do it our way. You've seen it before. Once a baby gets old enough to hold a spoon, what do they want to do? No, mom and dad, I don't want you to feed me anymore. I want the spoon and I want to do it myself. Me is the word that comes out, right? We want to do it ourselves. And we don't get any better as we get older. We want to do it our way. Well, the same is true of our way of worship. We want to worship and serve God in our own terms in the style that we prefer, at the time that we prefer, with the people that we prefer, we want to do it our way. My terms and not God's. Today we're going to look at what some call the very first worship service in our Bible and see what God has to say about worshiping our own way versus worshiping for him in his way. We started out, as I said in the kids' message, in the book of Genesis, we hear that God has held Adam and Eve accountable for their sin of disobedience. They had one rule, and they had to go and break it. So God had to kick them out of the Garden of Eden. And instead of following God's plan of simply ruling over the garden, of being good stewards over God's creation, man and women must now go on a different path, go out into a much different world than God had initially created for them. Let's listen to the focal point of our text today. In Genesis, it says, Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, and you must rule over it. There's a lot to unpack there. This passage has so many different things to teach us, but today we're going to focus on one thing. We have to understand what God says to us about our worship, our offerings, the things that we do in service for him. So first we're going to talk about what is acceptable worship in the eyes of God. Very simple. Verse 4 of our text, Abel brought from the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions, and the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. 
It came time for worship, to give thanks to God for a wonderful harvest season, for growing the flocks. And Cain and Abel both understood that they needed to come to God in praise and worship to give him thanks for everything that they had received from him. The boys went in just a few verses from the beginning of that section of of passage from infancy, all of a sudden they're adults. And it's obvious that Adam and Eve must have taught them the importance about God and his majesty and power and what we owe God. I'm sure that they understood what worship and offerings are all about. Now it says, when Abel went, he went to his flock and took the fat portions. That to us should make us understand these are the very best. It's not the lean portions. It's also not the fat, right? But it's the fat portions, the good portions. Actually, the very best of his flock. And Abel had that mindset. I am going to get the very best for my offering to God. I can picture Abel walking around his flock in his stable and looking at one and picking it up and going, no, that lamb is a little bit dirty. And then going on to the next one, that one has a little blemish on it. I have to find the very best for my God. I don't know how large the flock was. The text doesn't tell us. But I can picture that he probably went through every single lamb that he had until he found, ah, the very best one. The very best one in my heart and in my head, I know that this will be acceptable to God. And it was. God knew that Abel had brought him the very best. And he had honored God by giving his best, giving from his heart, taking time and being careful in his choice. It's also important for us to understand that some people teach that Abel's offering was accepted because it was a lamb, that it was a blood offering, and Cain's was not because it was from the ground. Well, you have to understand the sacrificial system had not even been implemented yet. So that's not what's going on here. It's not a matter of one has blood and one isn't. No, it has to do with the offering and the attitude of the offering of the two men. It was acceptable, Abel's offering was acceptable, because Abel gave of the very best that he had. And friends, you and I are called to be like Abel. Even though Abel was the second born, did you catch that? Cain was born first and Abel was younger. Abel knew the right way to serve God. When it comes to serving him in our lives, when it comes to worshiping him, whether it be here on a Sunday morning or any other time we gather with other Christians, we want to honor our creator with the very best. When we offer our service to God, it should be with a full heart of joy without any reservation. And we as a church, as the people of God, should always foster a climate of giving God our very best, no matter what we do. We call that in the small catechism, wherever God has placed you, whatever your job, your occupation, your place in this world is, do it to your very best of your ability. Next we see in our lesson, well, what is, we know what acceptable worship is. What about unacceptable worship? We hear in verse 3 and 5, In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. Again, it wasn't that it was the fruit of the ground that made it wrong. But for Cain and his offering, God had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. So we read in the context of the entire passage that Cain's offering was not given with the same thought. 
He apparently came with no regard to give the very best of the, the fruits, whether it be watermelons or gourds or tomatoes or cucumbers or whatever the case may be. He didn't go through and be very selective and careful in his process. People don't really understand this because they don't get this idea of, well, how can you find the very best cucumber? It's kind of easy to select the very best lamb, but not the very best cucumber. But it seems like based in the context and the way God reacts, that Cain was actually just very thoughtless about the entire thing, that he did not come to worship. He did not offer his service to the Lord with the right attitude. The implication here is that Cain was careless and thoughtless. God looked into Cain's heart and knew that Cain had no intention of bringing God his very best. This is further clarified in God's response to Cain. What did the Lord say? Well, if you would do good, do better, then you would be accepted. You know what you're supposed to do, just do it. And the writer of Hebrews actually highlights this event in his great discourse on faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews says, By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commended him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Cain's attitude was, I'm going to come make an offering, but it's going to be on my own terms. I will give him the things I want to give him, not the things that he necessarily deserves. My friends, if we look at our own hearts, Cain is not the only one that is guilty of this act of disobedience. The author of this passage in Hebrews says that priority and reverence are to be part of everything that we do for God. And Abel treated his offering the way that Abel treated his offering and Cain treated his offering. That should even speak to us today in 2022. The prophet Amos in the Old Testament, writing for God, says that in terms of the nation of the Israel and what they were doing, it was no longer acceptable to God. They were worshiping at the temple of Bethel. And here's what Amos has to say. These are words of God coming through the prophet Amos. God says, I hate all your show and pretense, the hypocrisy of your religious festivals and solemn assemblies. I will not accept your burnt offerings and grain offerings. I won't even notice all your choice peace offerings. Away with your noisy hymns of praise. I will not listen to the music of your harps. Wow. Amos was telling the people that you've gotten off track. You're no longer genuine in your worship. You're just kind of playing at worship. You don't mean it. And God has rejected their perversion of worship, specifically at the Temple of Bethel and other places. He despises many things, but he despises the absence of justice and righteousness in how the nation of Israel was dealing with God and how they were dealing with their brothers and sisters. Cain from Genesis came to God with a heart that was not ready to worship. So maybe we need to ask ourselves today, how do we come to worship? I know that there's been times in my life that a Sunday morning wake up not as excited. So everyone is guilty of this. How do we do church? How do we best serve God? Do we want to serve and worship on God's terms or on our own? I think often we kind of want to worship on our own, don't we? 
Jesus actually sent a message to the church in Laodicea. I talked to the kids about Genesis and Revelation. I was going to bookend everything in this sermon. So in the book of Revelation, we hear Jesus sending a message to seven churches. The final church that he sent a message to was Laodicea. And many believe that these seven letters were sent to the churches to represent the different ages of the church. And if that's the case, Jesus has his harshest words for the final church age. Guess where we are today? The final church age. He's talking to you and I. Now, Laodicea was situated at the junction of three Roman imperial roads that went through Asia Minor. There's a lot of different cities there right in the middle with the white circle. That's Laodicea. And you see a lot of other names maybe you'll recognize around there. Well, the location it was with all the different crossroads through it made it a favored city. It was a wealthy banking, commercial, and administrative center. And many people there, even Christians there, had fallen into a lie that the wealth and power and prestige in the world is just as important or sometimes even more important than living my life in the truth of what God's plan is for me. And Jesus chastises lukewarm Christians whose lives stand for nothing but what they want for themselves. Listen to what he says in Revelation chapter 3. This is Jesus talking through John. He says, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich. I have prospered and I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Oh, what an indictment on those people living there. And an indictment for people living later who this represents as well. I spit you out of my mouth like lukewarm coffee. Yuck! I don't want to be lukewarm coffee. I don't want to be that way. Jesus is saying, nothing you do is satisfying. Nothing you do is real. He says, stop pretending and be authentic and genuine in your worship. The last thing we're going to talk about today, we've seen acceptable worship, we've seen unacceptable worship, and we might think, so what? What are the consequences of unacceptable worship? Well, listen to this. God did not accept Cain and his gift. I went to the NLT translation for this part. I like the way that it presents it. Why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. And listen to this part. And what does this mean? Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. God told Cain that he had to get his heart right. And once he did that, his worship and his service would be accepted. But then he says, watch out. Because if you continue to have a heart that's cold towards me, have an attitude that I want to do it my way and on my terms, that pretend stuff, it has consequences in your life. You're going to be out of fellowship with me if you don't follow my plan for your life. And then you can fall easily into the snare of sin. We all know the story of what happened next. Sin got a hold of Cain, didn't it? It got a hold of him so much that, that his pride and his anger, jealousy, was so mad that he killed his younger brother. Through that situation of unacceptable worship. 
That's can, that can be what happens when we fall out of fellowship with our Father in heaven. How many of you know someone that at some point in their life was just on fire with the passion they had for God? And then a little time goes by, maybe a few years go by, the flames die down, kind of like turning down the propane tank on your gas grill. And all of a sudden, their life is somehow gripped by a challenge or something they didn't expect, and sin comes their way. Just like it did with Cain. That can happen to us when we try to live on our terms and not our Father's terms. Yeah, God says... God says that there is a proper way to worship and serve me. And it's my definition, not the world's definition, because guess what, folks? I created everything. I know how you're going to get along the best in this life, and the best in this life is only going to come to you if you do it my way, the Lord's way. Your service must come from the heart. God wants our service, and he wants our worship. He doesn't need it but he does want it as an offering back to him. I'm going to end with a story. The little girl with bouncy curls was just about five years old. She was with her mother at the checkout line, and then she saw them, a glistening circle of white pearls in a pink foil box. Oh, please, Mommy. Oh, please, can I have them? And quickly the mom checked the back of the box and saw that they were $1.95. And she looked down at her daughter with her blue eyes upturned at mommy. That's almost $2. But if you really want them, I can think of some extra chores for you around the house. And maybe you'll earn enough money that you can buy them for yourself. Well, as soon as Jenny got home that night, she emptied her penny bank and she had 17 pennies. After dinner, she did more chores than normal. And then she went to her neighbor, Mrs. James, and said, can I pick dandelions for a dime? On her birthday, Grandma gave her a crisp new dollar bill, and all of a sudden, at last, she had enough money. She had $1.95. Jenny loved her new pearls. They made her feel dressed up. They made her feel grown up. She wore them everywhere. She went to Sunday school with them, to kindergarten with them, even wore them to bed. The only time she took them off was when she had her bubble bath. Now, Jenny had a very loving daddy who every night when she was ready for bed would stop whatever he was doing and come upstairs and read her a story and tuck her in bed. One night he finished the story and he asked Jenny, Jenny, do you love me? Oh, yes, daddy, you know that I love you. Then give me your pearls. Oh, daddy, not my pearls. You can have, you can have Rebecca, my, my horse. You know, my favorite horse in my whole collection, you can have her. And Daddy said, no, that's okay. Good night, honey. I love you. And brushed her cheek with a kiss. About a week later, after story time, Jenny's daddy asked again, do you love me? Oh, yes, Daddy, you know that I love you. And give me your pearls. Oh, Daddy, not my pearls. You can, have, you can have my baby doll, my favorite new doll, the one that I got for my birthday. She's so beautiful. You can even have the yellow blanket that matches her jumper. That's okay. Sleep well. Daddy loves you. And as always, he brushed her cheek with a gentle kiss. A few nights later, when her daddy came in for story time, Jenny was sitting on her bed, Indian style. And as he came close, he noticed her, her chin was trembling a bit. 
with one silent tear rolling down her cheek. What is it, Jenny? What's the matter? Jenny didn't say anything, but lifted her little hand up to her daddy, and in her hand were those pearls. Here, daddy, this is for you. Now with tears in his own eyes, Jenny's daddy reached out for the, her daughter's, his daughter's hand, and at the same time, out of his own pocket, took a genuine replacement of real pearls and placed it in her hand. He'd had those pearls in his pocket this whole time, ever since her birthday. He had them. He was just waiting for her to give up the cheap dime store pearls so he could give her the real treasure. Friends, God is waiting for you and I to give up our dime store worship and service so that he can give us something better. When we worship him and follow him in our own way, that is not right. That is not the way he wants our worship and service. But when we turn our heart to him, when we put his plan in our lives, into action in our lives, he will bless our heart and he will bless our church. Not with pearls, of course, but with spiritual blessings. In Jesus' name, amen.